I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In addition to our usual obscenity warning, we would like to note that this episode contains mention of physical violence toward animals and humans. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're reading Chapter 5 of Magic Steps. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let's get revenge. Starts with... Pasco and his cousins in baton practice because everyone in his family becomes a harrier. His mom is like, great, continue. I'm going to leave and come back in a minute. So, of course, most of them sit down and his cousin is like, get up, chippy feet. Kind of being a jerk. Pasco like spars with him for a minute. And then he's afraid that Vani is going to beat him up. So he takes three quick steps to the left and three quick steps to the right and then he leaps at Vani and Vani and two uh, two more of his cousins fly into the air and they, they don't stay there. They and do they not stay come there. down. And they stay there. So then Pasco's grandfather comes out and he's like, I don't remember you guys knowing how to fly. Vani's like, it's all Pasco's fault. And Pasco's like, yes, yes, I need some help. I need to go get somebody. It's going to be a while. And the grandfather's like, well, nobody's going anywhere. Go. We cut to Sandry talking to her uncle about all of this murder stuff, probably still trying to get her uncle to, you know, take it easy. When a servant comes in and is like, there's a boy outside. And Pasco runs in and he's like, lady, I need you. Sandry returns with Pasco to House Akalon, lets his parents know, oh yeah, he's a mage. He does magic with dancing. Pasco's trying to get Sandry to help basically reverse what he's done. And she's like, no, you're going to reverse what you've done. First, we need to meditate. So they go into the family's shrine uh, room. Yeah, they meditate. And then she brings Pasco back out when he's calmer. And she's like, okay, what do you have to do? to reverse it he's like okay well i jumped up so now i have to jump down so he stands on the wall and he does three steps to the left three steps to the right and jumps down and everybody's back on the ground 
we end with Alzina and Nurhar. And the mage. Yes, are working with this mage, who is just known as the mage. The mage is addicted to some kind of drug called dragon salt. They're, they're using this mage's powers to sneak around the town and kill people. Interesting. That hasn't come up yet or anything. Oh, no, no. I mean, like, like people dying. But it has, because Rokat was murdered. We haven't seen them kill people, but it specifically says, like, when we have Kassam Rokat's head. So we know that they're they're planning to kill a Rokat. Yeah, yeah. So most likely, they killed the last one. Exactly, yeah. So part one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and didn't like about the chapter. This is my favorite chapter. This is my favorite scene because I just love the fact that Pasco throws his cousins in the air. In fact, I completely forgot about the little bit at the end with Alzena and Nurhar because I was so excited about finally getting to the part where Pasco dances his cousins into the air and it's fantastic. And I could just reread that scene over and over and over. It's pretty good. I liked it. It, it, it was not, not comedic, but it was very, um, I think the situation that that like puts them in, like literally floating in the air and, you know, it eventually gets to like, they were up there for like almost an hour and a half, <laughs> but just like, how awkward that would be yeah just just being weightless for like an hour and a half just kind of floating around not being able to come down just like you know what, what do you what do you do i like when they when he pasco comes back and the grandfather's basically having them training while he can be the trade is my favorite part oh, of that that's so great like <laughs> they can't even oh it's so awesome they can't go anywhere. And they're you can't so go hungry. anywhere. Might yeah. as well train. Exactly. <laughs> I really like the grandfather's line where he says, surely none of you have learned to fly or it would have been mentioned at breakfast. It was. Yeah. The grandfather is my favorite. Like, I'm just uh, going to say that right now. Like, I want to be that just chill as an old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was very not affected at all by having three of his grandchildren floating in the air he's just yeah, like oh like a oh, ordinary thing let me just pop a squat here and i'll sit here with them you go do this i'll have them train while till you get back we're just not going nowhere day at the office yep what's uh, new yeah. oh, I, i'm guessing he's a harrier too right i think they mentioned somewhere that he's either a retired harrier or he's still a harrier but he used to be like a captain or something like he's he's kind of a big deal yeah, so so yeah, maybe he's just like he actually has seen it all, and he's just like ah, floating people. Uh, I guess it ain't that crazy. Yeah, maybe but. not by dancing magic, but I'm sure he's seen something like it before. <laughs> very, very not shook. No, well, I guess since I started, I'll continue with other likes that I have. The first one, or I guess second now, is when Pasco replies with the rude suggestion. I just think that he probably was like, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> Tara Pierce cannot type that so she just said rude suggestion so he definitely told his cousin to go fuck himself which it is uh, it's I fair think, I think he deserved it 
Oh yeah, for sure. The guy's an asshole, so yeah. he can go fuck himself. In, in my so. notes, I, I literally wrote, "Bonnie is a bastard." Yeah, he sucks. I don't like him. He is pretty awful. He's awful. I will talk more about him later, but right now, I like the part where Standry's uncle reaches out and tugs her braid, and it just reminded me of Briar. It was so cute. Uh, like, oh, that's something that Briar used to do, and now he's not here. And so, anyway, I wish I could do this. Oh my gosh. When Bonnie just won't shut the fuck up, and Standry's like, enough. And then she points at it and is like, be silent. And then, Oh, I, I wish I could do that. that. Oh, be so I great. The, I love the fact that she didn't drop it until someone was like, hey, uh, we probably shouldn't be like this. Fine. Fine, I guess. I guess. <laughs> In all fairness, I completely forgot that she had done that to Bonnie by the time we got to that part. And I'm like, what I, are you talking about? Oh, yeah. In fact, I read this twice. <laughs> in preparation for this episode and I forgot both times (laughs) and then another part where the grandfather is just amazing like whenever she does snap her fingers and his mouth flies open he tries to like lunge at her and the grandfather just like tricks him and is like no let's go talk to your parents like yes justice it was good it was great the grandfather is amazing and that is all that I have. I like that we finally got like a clear description of the gods and stuff, all in kind of one spot. Because in the books, you know, uh, Briar and Daja have kind of, you know, brought up gods and stuff in the past. But like Sandri and Pasco go to the little temple in, in the house. Uh, it's obviously not all the gods, but it's a good number of them kind of like set apart and like described kind of all together. And it didn't feel like an info dump like a lot of times it does in books like this because it's literally the fifth one in the series. But they're all kind of kind of there, and we even get introduced to the uh, to the Harrier God, which was neat. I wrote down also that Vani is a bastard. I guess that was a dislike, uh, but yeah, kind of shitty, kind of a shitty dude, just uh, beating his cousin way way out of line. But I really liked how just how good Sandry is at dealing with people. She that, has practice. She has, yeah. And not just like royalty, but just people in general. Like the way she uh, spoke with the grandfather when he asked her about royalty teaching mages. And she's like, yeah, I am the teacher. I have to be his teacher technically because even though I am royalty, that's, you know, kind of the mage law. And then she just nods at him and then turns around so that he can't continue trying to like start a, an argument or something. She's just like, I acknowledge that, and now I'm going to go do something else. It was very, very cool. And that's that's what I got. I also really like the gods, because we had it explained in earlier books. I feel like it would have been lost some, because like you have references to it, and how important it is to the people it's important to, but also how the kids are just like, they're there. That's the thing. Except for Daja, who's like very devout. Well, as devout as she can be in circumstances. But I like that it shows it on a practical, like 
a nobody family, basically. These are not mages. These are not dedicates. Like, they have absolutely nothing to do with the temple itself. These are just people, like everyday people. I just, I love that because I feel like it's more impactful in that scene than it would be if it was explained in previous books. Um, It's just really nice world building and a very, like, good place for it. And now we'll start from the beginning on this. The line of promise you won't beat me up and the I'll mince you is what I'll do. Like, it just reminds me of the fights and stuff that my cousins and I got into and my uncle and I got into because my uncle was only like four years older than me. My cousins were all like a year and a half younger than me. So I was I was the bully. I was the oldest cousin on one side. Technically the oldest cousin on the other side, because I think my cousin Jacqueline was born four or five months after me. I can't remember. But I was kind of a bully. I mean, I didn't like beat their ass or anything, but I tended to get my way. Um, that we we talked about the, uh, surely you have not learned to fly or someone would have mentioned it at supper. That's a beautiful line. And I love it so much. When... Sandry is with her uncle and that exchange when she's like, hey, look, I'm sorry that I took so long. You know, Lark and I got caught up talking and he's just like, it's fine. I didn't want to wake you up and I didn't really do much anyway. It's a nice relationship. Like, it's a nice show of their relationship. I I love that so much. I love that Sandry has to, like, hide her laughing at, uh, <laughs> just like, I, I can't, I can't show them that I'm finding amusement in this or it's not going to end well. She, she has to have that veneer of professionalism. Yeah. Which I was going to say, I'm sure Molly has experienced being a teacher. Yeah. Kids who don't get sarcasm. <laughs> the uh, theme, uh, we, I think Brittany mentioned this about the uh, chuffle brain it just mm, makes me miss Briar. Mm-hmm. We talked about the leaving Sandry or leaving Bunny uh, as he was with the uh, mouth <laughs> not being able to speak. And I, I also really like the ending scene because not only does it kind of give us a view of what's going on on the other side, it's one of my favorite introductions of your villain, quote-unquote. It's so well done. There's not a specific part of it that I love, but it's like the whole thing. It's just really, really, really well done. I think we've seen in previous books that Pierce has this way of introducing characters that you don't like but are still human like crane like amory like yaren and i think that this introduction of these characters who i think even just from this short passage we can figure are the villains there's still something human and perchance empathetic there yeah I mean, it's definitely one of those with uh, the major position of being, you know, addicted to the substance. It It's not only a good insight on the dependency addicts tend to have, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's the right way to phrase it, but what links they'll go to um, yeah. when, when it's been so long in their life. Hard drugs are not something you can stop overnight. Because yeah. the witch dogs can and have killed people. But yeah, so it's it's definitely one of those. It's very nice that uh, uh, nice is not probably the correct word, but it's a very tasteful way. I mean, and these books are geared more towards children, so it's definitely a this is how some people are. They have these these vices, and they're not bad people. They've just been put in bad situations. Yeah, or. They're not necessarily bad people. They've just been put in bad situations. I feel like uh, Pierce, that's another one of her strengths. The protector of the small series in her Tortal universe. The early books in which the main character is like 11, 12, 13 focuses a lot around bullying and like school bullying. And then the later books where she's like 18, 19, we get into things like sexual assault and rape and like potentially pedophilia because those early books have this discussion about bullying. She's able to bring in these more complex issues in with that same, it is a form of bullying. I always felt that it made these very serious issues so accessible. And I read that series when I was like 20. And so like, even as an adult, I was like, wow, this is like some of the like best, clearest, this is what's going on. This is why it's bad. And just. Uh, we, we've mentioned it throughout the series, just Pierce not treating children like idiots, keeping them sheltered without being like, <clears throat> there's nothing bad in the world. Like just that this is behind a veil. You don't get to see what's going on. Like this doesn't exist until you're a certain age. That is definitely one of those things that I just love about her writing. Is it capable of treating children like adults without treating them like adults? They're tiny people. They're not stupid. They're just small. <laughs> That's it. With the mage, it mentions that Nurhar has almost like a cradle board or something that he carries the mage on his back with. And we know the mage is very small and light. Have we gotten more, much more physical description? His arms and legs are cut off, I think it said. Okay. I wasn't, I knew it said that at some point. I wasn't sure if that wasn't until chapter six. I, whenever it mentioned the thing, it just reminded me of this little carrier thing that Stephen used to use for Malia. <laughs> she was a baby, <laughs> like the little baby backpack. Yeah. Well, it's, it makes me think of a cradle board, which is what the Navajo people use to carry their babies. It reminded me of an anime. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can elaborate. Uh, there's an anime called Demon Slayer, and long story short, a guy carries his demon infected sister in a box on his back. I just think of Bombardier's. Like the old school bombardiers with the big, like, from back of the head to the back of their knees boxes where all of the gunpowder or, like, the small oh. cocktails type things. And so there's in that big thing and I just chuck it at people. <laughs> bombardiers, man. We don't really know why this person does not have limbs. But I'm thinking if 
he was born with this, if he was born without limbs, then this, I can see how this person, because in this world, back then, people would leave their babies out to die of the elements. Things Roll like them out that. in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Even if this person lost their limbs later, there's just a sense of like, oh, you're useless when it, I'm, I'm sure that there's still some of that now, but I think it was even stronger at this, at this time period. For example, Sarah Biffen, who was a person who was an actual human being who was born with like stubbly little limbs and learned to sew her own clothes and paint. And she was an artist, but she was taken advantage of. And so I feel like this is sort of the same situation. There's this person who, for whatever the reason, doesn't have limbs. And so, but has something that makes them special, has this magic. And so has just probably been taken advantage of most of their lives. And then we also know that the mage is very light and probably like small and malnourished, which I'm guessing is at least to some degree a result of being addicted to dragon salt. Another addition to that is they did lose their limbs rather than be born without them. In some cases, even being born without them, there's probably a lot of pain. And like at one point, morphine was just basically an over-the-counter drug. Yeah, they would have that in cough medicine that you could just get. And so if they were in pain, maybe this was something that was used as a pain reliever, like something like morphine or codeine or these things. It just was super addictive and has caused the spiral. So it's, it's a nice tie back into this world because we have people who get addicted <laughs> to more hardcore substances that were are used as medicine every day. So my anxiety meds are technically an addictive substance. It's a nice tie back because there are people who need this stuff. And then there are some people who abuse this stuff, whether intentionally or non-intentionally. We'll have to keep an eye on if we, if we learn more about dragon salt. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Part two is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or a message in the chapter. What theme or message did y'all find? The theme that I found was patience. You see it several times. You see um, the grandfather. Edouard, he acted snappy, but he showed a lot of restraint when he realized that Pasco was the one that kind of set everyone up in the air. Like we said, he was very nonplussed, but he did tell Pasco, like, hey, if we need to get help to get them down, go get it. They'll still be here. He's going to keep an eye on them, make sure they don't fly away or anything. But uh, he still told them, yeah, he, he just said, go get who you need and he'll take care of it. Sandry waiting for, she, she showed a lot of tact with Pasco. When she got there to the um, to the house and, you know, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to fix what you did, she made him kind of realize that, hey, you have magic. You clearly don't know how to control it yet. I can't fix this. You can, but you're going to need my training to do it. Kind of convincing him that, like, hey, maybe uh, you should get these classes that she's offering and, you know, stick with them. Don't skimp out on them. She played that really well, I feel. And also... She was patient with herself. She was a bit mad when she tried to get Pasco to start meditating and pretty much forgot that his magic will spill out when he starts to meditate because he doesn't know how to control it yet. But she recovered quickly. She warded herself and him in the circle, got him to meditate. It all worked out. She wasn't too hard on herself. She just said, oh, I messed up. Let me fix it. Got it done and kept going. My theme was sort of the opposite. My theme is unkindness. We see the treatment of the mage by Alzina and Nurhar. But we also have the way that Pasco's family treats him. Like, obviously, Vani is a bully. But over and over, we get these little bits. The grandfather is telling the mother, like, how the gods, why the gods thought to give that wimp magic or whatever. And he kind of gets bullied by everyone in his family, which, one, would explain why Vani's a bully. And two, as Sandry notes, makes it much more clear why Pasco doesn't want to tell his family that he has dancing magic, because they kind of don't think much of him. It made me really angry because when his family does find out, they're like, well, why didn't you tell us? And I really want to be like, mm, it's kind of obvious. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it's really coming from everywhere. I'm not really sure if this is a theme, but I'm going to go with it anyway. So within this chapter, we see a lot of different positions of power, but I mainly want to talk about two. The first one is Vani. I guess he's not really in a position of power yet, but he will be one day when he's a harrier. And from my limited knowledge of what's going on with this book so far, harriers seem like they are the cops of this world. Mm -hmm. And he's already headed down such a 
dangerous path with the way he acts. It's a lot like our world, all these guys or people in general that want to become cops just so they can have power over people and to bully people to get what they want. And Bonnie is acting the exact same way to get what he wants out of people and then bullies and attacks people when they say, oh, I'm going to tell somebody. He tries to keep them silent. That's a lot like the police force that we have today. They try to keep it internal, like, oh, we can't say anything because it's going to make us look bad if we say anything. And so Bonnie is headed down a really dark path. I really liked that the grandfather actually called him out on his bullshit and all the other kids too. Like you guys didn't say anything. Y'all are just as bad as he is for not saying anything. And I wish that our government could take an example, that example and be like, oh, this is what we need to fucking do as well. So that's the first one I wanted to point out. I think you look like you wanted to say something, Goodwin. Holding people accountable, man. Like, exactly. Fuck, why is that so fucking difficult? Mm-hmm. The second one that I wanted to point out is Sandry in this one. She is the opposite of Bonnie in this. She's a teacher and she is trying to get her way, but she's doing it not trying to hurt people or make people fear her. She's just, she actually tries to get Posco to think for himself to get what she wants out of him. She does it the right way, if that makes sense. We have dark and light, I guess, of uh, positions of power. Very interesting. Mine kind of plays off of Goodwin. Mine's more discipline. There's a lot of self-discipline that we see with Sandry in her not being as mean as she could in this situation that she was put in. And also with her warding them, she remembered and she didn't fairly berate herself. She was like, okay, this was almost a stupid mistake. Let me, then we see it with uh, the grandfather. Um, He definitely shows a lot of restraint. And so there's probably a lot of self-discipline of I can't lose my cool because of who I am, what I've done. I have to be zen about everything. And then we see more of a, not necessarily physical discipline, but the implied discipline of what do you mean again? (laughs) When they're like, yeah, this is not the first time Bonnie's tried to beat the shit out of uh, Bosco. And he was just like, well, we'll talk about this later. He's going to take care of it. Yeah. Step three is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What I really pulled out of this just kind of jumps off of what Brittany just said. There's these people who like Hosko's whole family is saying, Oh, he's worthless and all of this. And I see that a lot as a teacher with teachers, students in schools develop reputations for being good students, for being bad students, for being lazy, for being whatever. And it kind of gets passed down even to teachers who haven't met those kids, because I have a student who 
has been in the ESL class and is ready to exit the ESL class. And when I talked to the, the English teacher who was going to have them the next year, instead of having me for English, I have the opportunity to say like, oh, like this kid might have some trouble with reading because they're coming out of my class. So they still might be a little bit below some of the other kids, but they're a really hard worker. You're absolutely going to love them. Or I have the opportunity to say like, this kid is really lazy and blah, blah, blah. And that happens. Teachers will spread these bad reputations of kids. And it's kind of like Pasco. It becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where they live up to the expectations that the teachers have of them. And there has actually been research done that shows this happens. Two different groups were given rats and they had to get the rats to go through a maze. And group A was told their rats were really smart. And group B was told, eh, your rats aren't too smart, but good luck. And there was no actual evidence of the rats having higher or lower IQs. They were just given random rats. But group A's rats actually did perform better, most likely because the people who were working with those rats had better expectations. So they handled them differently than the people who were working with group B who had poor expectations and so weren't as gentle or kind. Sandry comes in and she's like, okay, I'm not going to be these people. I am going to have high expectations for Pasco. As soon as this happens, as soon as he's interacting with somebody who has high expectations for him, isn't treating him like he's just a clumsy idiot, he does really well. I want to take that cue from Sandry, especially with my students. Like, remember, okay, whatever this kid's reputation is, whatever else is going on, I want to come in every day and meet them with positivity and high expectations so that maybe they can live up to that instead of whatever else their reputation is. Mine was the definitely the scene in which it comes to light that this is not the first time that Vonnie has tried to beat up his cousins, plural, because it's definitely implied that he's kind of bullied the others as well. But something that the, the grandfather says is something along the lines of how is he expected to be a good harrier if he lashes out like this and he's nothing but a boy. I see that in a lot of the world right now. I'm not going to go on my soapbox about this, but it's that idea of not abusing your power or your your advantages. It's more not using those to put other people down or bully people into doing something that you want them to. I know I mentioned it earlier that I was kind of the bully when it came to my cousin. I'm still working on that because I am very loud and I'm very outspoken. And it sometimes peters on the verge of being bullying. I definitely need to uh, have more patience and remember that bullying is not going to get what I want. And just to be kind hmm. to people that I have some kind of like, advantage or power over and so yeah there we go mine is the exact same as indies i know right now at work i am in the middle of training somebody the first few days i was not very nice about the training i guess kind of like molly's explanation about the rats i just didn't have 
high hopes for her, I guess. I didn't think she'd do a very good job, so I treated her as such, I guess. And I don't know. She's doing really good now, but uh, she kept messing up. Obviously, on the first few days, she's going to mess up. She's never done the job before. And I kept being kind of irritated by it. And by the end of the day, she's just like, do you want to take over since I keep messing up? And I was like, oh, shit, I am so in the wrong here. I think I feel like I've gotten better of being more patient with her and actually working with her. And she's doing really good now. And uh, we're on good terms now, it seems. It's my stepdaughter that I'm training. So it probably wasn't good that I was being so hateful towards her anyway, regardless of who she is. But uh, learning the patience like Sandra has with Pasco instead of being Vani and being hateful towards other people. My magic was to pay attention. I noticed how Vani was getting away with hurting his cousin. That no one said anything. Like even if Pasco's mom had seen him do it and he would have gotten in trouble, he just would have gone on to take revenge at a later date. I, I feel like I want to try to focus on if I see someone that might be in trouble or, you know, is in a bad situation with someone to keep an eye on it, focus on the fact that they might be in a bad situation and just stick with it, not to just ignore any warning signs that I've seen. It's kind of happened to me in the past with a friend who was in a relationship. I was best friends with his girlfriend, and she ended up abusing him physically. And it was something that you don't usually expect, uh, much less from someone you'd consider a friend. But it happened, and it's something that I wish I paid more attention to because it seemed kind of joking at first, and everyone was having a good time. But um, she was she was just mean. She was mean, and she would like literally like hit him in public and stuff. And it seemed like a joke, but it wasn't like that. He, he's in a better place. He's in a better situation now with someone that you know loves, and then he's not dead. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> Yeah, didn't mean it that way. He's doing a lot better, and we're no longer friends with that lady. So things kind of worked out, but it's something that I feel like I need to try to pay more attention to. At the end of our episodes, we'd like to read an excerpt from the following chapter. This is an excerpt from Chapter 6 of Magic Steps. Alzina waited across the street from Kassam Rokat's home, her curved sword balanced on her knees. She was clad in the essence of nothingness, like her husband Nurhar and the mage who was tucked in a niche in a nearby wall. The nothingness was the mage's special power, the unmagic that got them past the cleverest guards and the most powerful spells. It cloaked her and Nurhar and even himself in sheer emptiness. Guards and magical protections felt like nothing because nothing was there. She could not even see Nurhar or the mage as she peered through the tiny slit in the spells that enabled her to look at the real world. Late at night, she sometimes wondered how it would feel if that slit were to close. Would the nothingness eat her as it seemed to have eaten the mage? What ate him is dragon salt, her practical self scolded. Keep your mind on the task. Here came Rakat. She stirred. She had expected his own guards, two in front and two behind. The surprise was that somehow he talked Duke Vedris out of a pair of soldiers. 
They will do him as much good as his own bodyguards, she thought getting to her feet. She couldn't see Nurhar, but she knew he had gone to work when the confusion balls burst. They had two for the bodyguards ahead of Rakat and two for those bodyguards behind him. The guards reeled. Their horses staggered as the enclosed drug went into sensitive noses. The balls were good for three minutes, and they hadn't brought extras to cover the Duke's men. She would just have to be quick, quicker than the soldiers. But that was why the family had honored her with the task. As silent as a shark streaking toward prey, Alzina Dihanur ran across the cobblestones between the lurching horses. The two Duke's guards rose in around the sweating Rokat, their weapons drawn. Down went the guardsman's horse on Rokat's left, blood pouring from two hacked legs. That would be Nurhar. He knew if he crippled the mount, the rider would be too easy to interfere. Alzena dodged to the side as horse and man toppled away from her target. Sweeping her curved blade up, she sliced through Rokat's saddle girth, not caring that the razor edge bit deep into his animal's side. Grabbing Rokat's clothes, she yanked. Down he tumbled, screaming as the other guardsmen tried to shove past the flailing bodyguards to reach him. Alzena hacked Rokat across the belly and thighs, then got into position for her third cut and made it. Gripping the head by the beard, she thrust it into his bag, spelled like the rest of her with unmagic, and raced down the street with it. She was invincible as long as she bumped into no one. They would never see her because she was nothing. On she ran, giddy with blood. Nurhar would collect the mage and return with him to the inn. It was her job to display the head, and she knew just where she would leave it. I think that was more depressing than yours, Goodwin. Wow, my God. <laughs> He got God. Yeah, yeah, he did. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies. (laughs) Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or tell us what you think by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com. Find all of our episodes at readingcircletemple.com and find more sound clips by following the Reading Circle Temple on SoundCloud. Never miss a post by following Reading Circle on Tumblr. You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Facebook and join the Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. See our cats by following Reading Circle Temple on Instagram. Or you can tweet at us at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. If you like their art, follow Yellows for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon and Draws on Instagram. Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our music. Find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic, and thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. I did not know I was supposed to say that. I literally just pulled up the screen with what you typed on. Like, I did not even (laughs) think about that. I didn't look at that. I was, like, just scared for the past 10 seconds. I'm like, what the fuck am I saying? Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Crisis averted. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.